Father, <clears throat> we thank you for the men and women who have uh, volunteered to serve this country, Lord God. And Father, we still proclaim that this is one nation under God. We still proclaim that, Father. One nation under God. And Lord, we pray for those who are serving. We just pray your protection. We pray your covering, Father God. We pray for the men and women in the military. Uh, if those who do not know you, it's our desire that they would see their need for Jesus. Lord, we pray that Jesus would become real to them, Father. Those who do know you, Lord, we pray that you will strengthen them and help them to be just a strong light where they are, Father. And Lord, those families that have lost... Uh, loved ones uh, in service. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, your comfort. Uh, this day, uh, this weekend can be a difficult weekend for some. And Lord, we just pray for your comfort and for your strength to be with them, Father. And we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 We appreciate all those who serve. <clears throat> and all, there's uh, many in this service this morning who have served your country, and we appreciate it very, very much. Very much. All right. We're going to be uh, in John chapter 12. If you want to turn to John chapter 12. And... Uh, I'm going to put a cough drop in right now. <laughs> All right. John chapter 12. And we're going to be starting with verse 20. And we'll go through verse 28. That'll be our main text. And we'll do a few other verses also. John chapter 12, starting with verse 20. I'll put that up for you also. Hi, Oliver. <laughs> now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew... Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. I'm going to stop there for a little bit before we go further on. <clears throat> They're in Jerusalem. This is Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be dying. He's going to be laying his life down shortly. And there were some Greeks who had been converted to Judaism. And they traveled to Jerusalem to, uh, to be part of the Passover feast. And they had heard about Jesus. Of course, a lot of people had heard about Jesus. I mean, that was quite a phenomenon, this th these things that were happening in this man's life. They'd probably heard about the miracles, that people had been healed, that people had been set free from demonic oppression, and um, they might have even heard the stories of when Jesus actually forgave people of their sins. And they had heard that, that he spoke with authority. More than once it talks in the Gospels how they were amazed how this man spoke with such authority. Like he really knew what he was talking about. So, so these Greeks, they uh, come to one of Jesus' disciples and said, we want to see Jesus. I mean, that sounds like a good thing. We want to see Jesus. So that disciple gets with another disciple. <clears throat> and then they go to Jesus and they said... Uh, 
There, there's these Greeks. They, they want to meet you. And Jesus doesn't give them an answer on whether he's going to meet with them or not. He just starts talking about why he came. And um, I think he is really giving an answer. Jesus doesn't want people just to see him. Jesus wants people to know him. Jesus wants people to be one with him. So he starts talking about the whole purpose that he came. So I don't think he's changing subjects. I think he's really nailing what, he's, what the issue is. And, uh, and then he starts to talk about why or what he had to do. And we'll read on in verse 23, which will bring us to our first point. Jesus is going to tell us, I had to die. I have to die. Excuse me. I have to die. So, Jesus, there's some Greeks. They want to see you. And Jesus basically says, I have to die. Nobody's going to really see me and see my father unless I do. I have to die. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come. Now, school got out for most kids yes, this last week. And uh, I remember when I was in school, I could not wait for the last day of school. And on the first day of school, I could not wait for the last day of school. (laughs) Um, I anticipated that day. And it's like an oppression just lifted off of me on the last day of school. I don't know if anyone else ever experienced that or not, but I tell you what, I enjoyed summer. I didn't even care if I had to work all summer. I just didn't have to go to school. Anyway, that was, it was like, oh... So look forward to. But Jesus, in this, uh, as he's talking with his disciples, he said, the hour has come. There is something that all of heaven has been waiting for. For years and years and years. They knew it was coming. And Jesus said, it's here now. The hour has come. The Son of Man is going to be glorified. And he was talking about his death and his resurrection. Then he went on to say this. And this is a huge part of the message this morning. Let's take a look at this. He said, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now Jesus is talking about himself here. And uh, and Jesus was like just a master storyteller. I mean, he, he captivated people with the stories that he told that had such deep spiritual meaning. But he's talking about himself. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. The disciples did not want Jesus to die. Did they? They were not wanting him to die. They were wanting him just to keep on living. They liked the way things were going. Okay, they were seeing phenomenal things happen, lives being touched, God was being glorified. I mean, it was not in their mind at all that Jesus would die. But Jesus said, I have to. I have to. 
Basically, if Jesus doesn't fall to the ground and die, there will only be one righteous person for all of eternity. And who is that? That would be Jesus. If he doesn't fall to the ground and die, there will just be one righteous person for all eternity. If Jesus doesn't fall to the ground and die, there will only be one human that could ever be in the presence of God. Of course, that would be Jesus taking on human form. He would be the only one. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. If Jesus didn't fall to the ground and die, heaven would not be filled with those who'd been purchased by God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. It had to happen. But, he went on to say, if the seed dies, it produces many seeds. Many seeds. Let's take a look at that. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Multitudes and multitudes and multitudes. Thousands upon thousands upon millions. Jesus had to be punished by God. The devil was not punishing Jesus. God was punishing Jesus. Okay? The death on the cross was the wrath of God being poured out on sin. Okay? It wasn't the devil doing it. It was God. And sin was going to be punished. No person can come into the presence of God with sin in their lives. God is holy, and that's just the way it is. He is just. Sin, every sin, was going to be punished by a just God. But this just God, who is also love, said, I will punish my son in your place. Your sins will be placed on him. I will pour out my anger. I will pour out my judgment. I will pour out my wrath on my son. And sin will be punished. But then I'm going to raise him to life again. And if anyone puts their faith in him, they can be raised to life in him. And they're forgiven. They're cleansed. They're righteous. They're holy in my sight. That was all the plan of God. Jesus said, the hour's come. The hour's come for this to happen. And if this seed falls to the ground and dies, it'll produce many seeds. The next thing he says starts talking about us. Now the first thing he said um, about the wheat falling to the ground and dies I think we're, you know that can be applied to us also but the next thing really applies to us. Alright, let's just look at the next part of the verse. Which is the second point that I want to bring out. Jesus had to die. But we have to die with him. Is there an amen out there? (laughs) We have to die with him. And we'll take a look at that. Okay? Because he goes on to say, the man who loves his life will lose it. The man, woman, who loves his life 
will lose it. Now remember, who's saying these things? Jesus. It's not your pastor. Okay? (laughs) Those aren't my words. Okay? I am simply passing on to you the things that Jesus said. The man who loves his life will lose it. Wow. That's not the only time he ever said that either. He said it in some other, it's recorded in some other places. What do we mean by loves his life? I'll just give you my thoughts on it, okay? You hang on to the things that you love. You know what I'm saying? You hang on to them. You don't let go of them very easily. I have a, and I still have it, a sweatshirt that I just love. It's gray, I think. I think it's gray, yeah. <clears throat> and the, the neck part is all worn out. You know, it's like different colors and stained and stuff, and it's all worn out. And then the sleeves, you know, they're kind of all worn and ragged. And I've had that sweatshirt for a long time. I mean, it was really pretty when I first got it. Anyway, uh, some time ago I had set it down somewhere, and I came back and it was gone. And I thought, I better talk to Lori about this. Lori, do you know where my sweatshirt is? Yeah, I threw it away. I kind of thought that might be what happened. So I found it. And I still wear that sweatshirt. Okay? So we took Nathan to Fairbanks on Monday. We drove down there. And uh, uh, I'm thinking, okay, it's just an overnight thing. I'm not taking hardly any. The Jeep is not very big anyway. Nathan's got to have stuff to last him for the summer. So it's an overnight bag with just a change of clothes. That's all I'm taking with me. <clears throat> and I'm going through the dresser or in the, in the closet, and I see my favorite sweatshirt. I'm thinking, I'm wearing that on the trip, man. I'm wearing that on the trip. I'll be in Fairbanks. Who will know? Who cares? So I wear another shirt on the trip down there. Of course, it all gets kind of sweaty riding in a vehicle all day long. And then as we're going there, Nathan said, Oh, yeah, Dad, uh, they wanted to know if you would be at the staff meeting when you dropped me off. I'm thinking, okay. But the only clean shirt I'm going to have is that raggedy old sweatshirt. <laughs> so, so Tuesday morning, I go to the staff meeting. The, the, the entire staff of the church is there, and I come walking in with my raggedy old sweatshirt. It was awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, then they say, well, we'd like to take you out for a meal. So I go out to meal with them with my raggedy old sweatshirt. And then some... Uh, another pastor, the associate pastor, said, we want to take you out for dinner. So they took me out to dinner, took us out for dinner in my ratty old sweatshirt. So I had it all. It was awesome. (laughs) You hang on to the things you love. Was I really embarrassed? I was a little embarrassed. Am I going to get rid of that sweatshirt? No, it's got years left in it yet, I think. I'm going to keep that sweatshirt. Maybe I should wear it some Sunday just so you know know what I'm talking about. You hang on to the things you love. They're comfortable, used to them. You know what I'm saying? They just seems like it fits. <clears throat> but Jesus said this. The man who loves his life, it's comfortable, it fits. You want to hang on to it. You want to keep it. The man who loves his life will what? Will lose it. Now that's, that's some big statements there. You know what I'm saying? You love your life. If you really love it, you're going to lose it. And by lose it, we're not talking about a small thing. We're talking about eternity from God kind of lose it, okay? Wow. 
what does love your life mean? Someone, this, this is my, my mindset when I read it. Someone who loves their life is someone, they want to be in control of their life. They want to be the master of their life. They want to determine the purpose and direction and all of those things of their life. It is their life. And they will hang on to it. And they will be in control. And Jesus said, if you're going to be that way, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life. Uh, Another thing that comes to mind when it talks about loving your life, I think it's talking about your life in this world. And people who love the ways of this world, they love the way this world functions. They love the ways of this world. And the sins and the different things that are in this world. They, they like it. They're very comfortable with it. They want to keep a hold of it. They want to hang on to it. If they do, they will. Jesus said you'll lose your life. You'll end up losing it. If there is a if someone refuses to submit to the living God and to his son our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if they just refuse to submit to him they are hanging on to their life and Jesus said well you you'll lose it Let's look at some words of Jesus here. <clears throat> Luke 9.24 For whoever wants to save his life, this is another place, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Other translations say lose your own soul. Um, let's go, well I won't have this one up for you. In Matthew 19.23, Jesus said something, and it was about people who had lots and lots of money. And he told his disciples, he said, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is hard for somebody with lots of money to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Well, they don't think they really need God. They've got everything. They've got the money, they've got the resources, they've got the authority, they've got all of that stuff. And uh, submitting to God and letting God be the God of their finances and all of that, pretty tough for a rich person to do. Listen to this parable that Jesus told in Luke 12. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. If God isn't in the picture, you can be wealthy and God's in the picture. You can be wealthy and God's not in the picture. Jesus said, if you're going to try to save your life, if you're going to love your life, 
you're going to end up losing it. So, uh, the first point was Jesus had to die. The second point was we have to die with him. And the third point is basically a, a narrowing it down. <clears throat> we follow Jesus. Oh, let me see this. Yeah, I wanted to do that verse there. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Again, there's just really strong words used here. Who is it that hates his life in this world? What's he talking about? I'll just give you my impression of what's being said here. You know, this is what comes to mind for me. The person who they see their life as it is, without God in it, they don't want it anymore. They don't want it. They, they, they hate this life that is that doesn't have God in it, that doesn't have Jesus in it, that doesn't have forgiveness in it. They hate that life. They don't want it anymore. The person who wants Jesus more than anything this world offers, I think that's who it's talking about. They look about it, they look at everything this world has to offer, all that they have in this world, and they just hate it. And they just want Jesus. They just want to be right with God. People want to be right with God. Not everybody knows how to get right with God, but people want to get right with God. I remember, some, sometimes I, I forgot about some things, but when I was in grade school, I noticed my older brother was praying and he was praying and asking God to forgive him of his sins. Wow. You know, I mean, that wasn't something we learned in our family. I'm not sure where he picked that up. And so I started praying with him as a grade schooler. And, you know, God, please forgive us of our sins. And we repeated it over and over and over again, kind of like a rosary or something. We didn't know about Jesus. We didn't know he died for our sins. We didn't know any of that stuff. But it was just like there was this knowledge that there's a God and we're not right with Him. And it's amazing that even in grade school, my older brother was picking that up and I kind of got it too. It's like, wow. And then eventually we kind of fizzled out and we just kind of, you want to forget about God because you know you're doing the wrong stuff and you don't want to be thinking about judgment one day so you just kind of forget about it. But the person who hates his life in this world will keep it unto eternal life. Jesus, it's such important stuff that he's sharing right here. It's so important. This dying with Jesus is so important. And we're going to talk about it just a little bit more. Let's go to this next point. We follow Jesus into death to self. Death to self. 
death to living for yourself. I would love to say that's just a one-time event, dying to this living for yourself. I have found it's probably a daily event, multi-times a day sometimes, excuse me. But let's look at this. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. We got to follow Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's good to follow Jesus. But we have to follow him into death also. And then we follow him into resurrection, which is awesome. But we have to follow him into death too. And uh, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. See, Jesus, he knew he had to lay his life down. There was a little bit of a conflict of will with Jesus, a little bit. I mean, when it was coming right to the very point when he realized he was going to be separated from his Father and he had never been apart from his Father. They were one. And when it was coming to that point where he knew sin was going to be coming, he would be separated and he would be abandoned by God and be by himself for the only time in all of eternity that's ever happened to Jesus. He saw it coming. And there was a conflict. Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want the sin and the shame and all of that stuff to separate me from you. It's going to be heaped on me shortly. But we all know that he said, but not my will. Yours be done. We all have that conflict of sometimes our will maybe being different than the Father's will. Okay? And Jesus submitted to the Father all the way through. And, and let's just, again, it shows us a little picture of this, this conflict <clears throat> when Jesus is going to lay his life down. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Jesus, it's getting close. It's getting close. Father, save me from this hour? And he goes on to say, No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. I've got to do this. I have to die. I have to die. That was a reason that he came. And then he said, Father, glorify your name. As we follow Jesus... And that's what we want to do. We want to follow Jesus. You know, He saved us. He forgave us. We want to follow Jesus. But we have to follow Him into denying self. We have to follow Him into that death of denying self. We have to follow Him into that place where instead of us being in control and asking God just to bless it, We say, God, your will be done. And that can be a struggle. That can be a struggle. But 
Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me into doing the will of the Father. Some of you are struggling because you're thinking maybe God wants you to do something, but part of you says, I don't want to do that, and there's this struggle. Follow Him. Follow Him. Death to self. Well, what if it ruins my life? It won't. It won't. Hanging on typically is what messes things up. Letting go is what releases God to do the things that He had planned for you all along. Well, Pastor, this is easy for you because God's never asked you to do something He didn't want to do. Right. Right. <laughs> there have been things all along the way. You remember how I, I talked about school? I've said this so many times. Forgive me. Forgive me. But my whole goal in life was to get out of school and to never see another school again. Now, was I a failure at school? I was pretty much a straight-A student. All right? So don't get the impression that I just was, you know... <laughs> didn't do it. I was pretty much a straight A student but I so wanted to get out of school. <laughs> Who, yeah, anyway. I wanted to get out of school. So, by the grace of God He shows me that I need a Savior. I surrendered my life to God. I gave my life to Him. Literally, I gave my life to Him. And uh, about two years after that God says very clearly through different avenues that he wants me to go to school. You know, I wanted to rebuke the devil. Devil, get behind me. But I knew it was God. So God is asking me to do the one thing that my whole goal in life to get out of. You know, okay, so there's a conflict going on here. God says, Mike, I want you to go to Bible college. And everything in me says, no! No, I'll study at home. Anything. Don't make me go back to school. <laughs> there was a conflict. But I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I just don't want to follow him to school. So, campus days. Go check this school out. Closest one to where I lived, about 300 miles away. I go, and they try to impress you. You know, campus days, bigger than life, everything's awesome, everything's wonderful, we really care about you, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so I'm there, and the longer I'm there at campus days, and all this stuff, and all these things going on, the more I'm thinking, I do not want to be here. I don't want to be here. And God keeps saying, go to school. So campus day is over. I go home. I have less peace about this whole thing than I had before I left. Fall is coming. Deadline's coming. What am I going to do? I enroll in school. And as I'm driving to school, I'm thinking, Jesus, you are the only reason. <laughs> you are the only reason I am driving this direction. You are the only reason I am going back to school because I don't want to be there. So I'm in school. There's parts about school I like. I like to learn. I've always liked to learn. But 
I was just around too many people all the time. And Christian people want to hug you. And I didn't grow up in a home where you hugged one another. The first hug I remember from my dad was the day I left to go to Bible college. That's the first hug I remember from my dad. Now maybe he did some more, but that's the first one I remember. And so you're in a service and people are, oh, Jesus, Jesus, and they want to turn and give you a hug. And it's like, oh God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Jesus, you may love this, but it's not for me. Well, all this to say, going to school, there wasn't like a day where it just snapped and I loved everything about school. No. But God knew what I needed. He had to put me in an environment that would start to break off, pull off a lot of this stuff that wasn't of God. And there's just, he knew. He knew. Following Jesus will always lead to becoming more free, not more bound. I could have stayed out of school and stayed in my own little life and served God however I could and and not had Him put me through the things that He did, but I'd be a different person today. we got to trust Him. Well, I, I just can't give this to God because what if it doesn't turn out right? The longer you hang on to it, the longer it takes for it to ever be fulfilled. Let it go. Let it go. Trust Him. Trust Him. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. Let me tell you, everyone in this place, you're ordained to be at this, at this time. You're ordained of God to be here at this time in human history. Alright? And it is for this hour that you are here. What do you need to do in this hour? You need to lay your life down into your Father's hands. Every part of it. Lay it down into the Father's hands. You're here for this hour to lay your life down into the Father's hands. And to submit to the wills and the ways that He leads and directs you. That's your purpose. It's your purpose. You're here for this hour. You're here to embrace His will at this hour. Jesus said, Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. In our lives, our desire is, Father, glorify Your name in my life. And He says, I have And I will submit to my will. Submit to my will. I will glorify myself in your life. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Now, it's not in every area. I mean, I don't go through turmoil deciding which breakfast cereal I'm going to eat in the morning. Okay, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, we live life. We make decisions and so on. But there are... We have to give our kids to God. 
We have to give our future spouses to God for those who aren't married. You got to trust Him with those things. Let me just finish this. Sir, we'd like to see Jesus. That's what the Greeks said. Sir, we'd like to see Jesus. And Jesus' response is, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So today, Jesus wants us to see him. But we really see him by following him. We really know him by following him. We really know him by laying our life down in his hands. If I could have the worship team come up at this time. Thank you. And uh, just closing the service, we're going to just worship the Lord together. But I want to give you an opportunity uh, one more time just to come and just submit your life to God. And just say, Lord, it is your will. It is your will. And if anybody is going through a real turmoil right now, it's like there may be an area that you, you're really struggling in and giving it to God, releasing it to Him and to His will. I just want to encourage you. Take that step. Take that step. The more we hang on to stuff, we end up losing it. (laughs) But if we give it to God, follow Jesus, I am forever grateful that I went to Bible college. I am forever grateful that I followed Jesus and His will. He did stuff in me. I met Lori there. That's, I mean, goodness, I have a wonderful wife, a wonderful family. The things that come from obedience and submission, you know what I'm saying? They, They can be enormous, enormous. Do not be afraid of the Father's will. Don't. Let's stand together. Pastor Zach, as you lead us in worship, I just want to give you the opportunity. Come to the altar and just again surrender your life to Him. Submit your life to Him. We, uh, We have to die to self before we can really live for God. But it's a wonderful life. They should make a movie about that. It's a wonderful life. Pastor Zach.